Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. One of the many places where God's gospel is reaching people and turning things upside down. Well, in our study of the book of Acts, we come to another very exciting passage uh, here in Acts chapter 17. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, uh, please open them now to Acts chapter 17. The churches in the book of Acts that are being planted in places like Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea are churches that are on fire. I mean, these churches are on fire. They're full of the Holy Spirit and power. They're just on fire for the gospel. They're churches that uh, impact their neighborhoods and impact their city and impact the nation. Their church is on fire. A church on fire with the gospel can push the darkness back, like Refuge is doing in southwest Detroit, and it can turn things upside down for the glory of God, really stir things up. And furthermore, we're, we're not ashamed of the gospel. Uh, this is the message that makes a difference. As you heard from Drew a few moments ago, as the gospel takes root, it really begins to change everything. It changes society, it changes families, it changes the world in which we live. We're not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the wealthy, like Lydia, Acts chapter 16, two weeks ago. Uh, Like the demon-possessed slave girl, poor and destitute, right at the bottom of the heap, and everybody in between. It's a gospel of salvation for everyone who believes. The wealthy, the poor, the male and female, young and old, hipsters and seniors, Jews and Gentiles, your family and mine. Detroit and Windsor. And as we move into Acts 17 this morning, there are several important lessons that we learn about sharing our faith and about planting churches like Refuge and like the Gathering. Acts 17 verses 1 and 2. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. So the very first lesson that we learn uh, from Acts 17 is that we need to establish authentic relationships with people who need Jesus. I mean, it's impossible for Paul to... To, to go into a place like Thessalonica, plant a church without talking to people, without getting to know people. And, and when Paul arrived in this new town called Thessalonica, he went to the synagogue because that's what he was familiar with. He was a, a, a Jew who had come out of uh, Judaism and, and embraced Jesus Christ as, as his Lord and Savior, but he, he understood the synagogue and he knew he could go into the synagogue and meet people there uh, and talk to people about Jesus. And that's precisely what he did. You know, if you and I are going to see the kingdom of God advance in Windsor, Essex, if we're going to make an impact in our neighborhood where we live or in our workplace, we have to establish authentic, meaningful relationships with people who need Jesus and not spend all of our time with people who are already part of the kingdom of God. We need to, you need, we need to get the salt out of the salt shaker. 
and, and season the, the places where we live, the neighborhoods and the, and the uh, schools that we attend with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here is Paul in the synagogue talking to unconverted, unsaved, but religious Jews. And on three Sabbath days, it says in verse 2, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. Remember a couple weeks ago I said we're going to see women play a prominent role in the establishment of the New Testament church. Here it is again. And so the second lesson that we learned from these verses, verses 2 to 4, is that we need to share the scriptures with people after we meet them. I mean, if we're going to advance the, 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 the kingdom, if the kingdom's going to advance, it will advance only because we're sharing the word. We're sharing the gospel with people. So once we meet them, we need to share the scriptures with them. Now, you may not take out your great big uh, black uh, leather-bound Bible with 1,263 pages the very first time that you meet somebody for coffee and, 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 and start reading from the gospel of John. But you can very easily weave the scriptures carefully and uh, without pressure, bit by bit, into a conversation. It's just not that difficult. It's not rocket science. And you've got what it takes to do that. Third lesson, right out of verses 5 through 9. But the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, meaning Paul and Silas, Timothy, they they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men, mark my words here, folks, who have turned the world upside down. See, that was their testimony. That's what the observation was of these rabble-rousers, was that these guys were turning the world upside down. That wasn't their testimony. And it's not really for us to say, we're going to turn the world upside down, although we'd like to. But, but when other people notice that things are being shaken up and turned topsy-turvy, that's something. Amen. That's something. It was their, their testimony that they've come here to turn the world upside down. And Jason has received them, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. And so here's the third lesson that we learned from this passage. We should expect mixed reactions from people whenever we talk about Jesus. Has that been your experience so far? Not everybody, <laughs> not every, everybody that you talk to about Jesus responds with great joy. Falling down at your feet saying, aha, finally somebody has brought me the truth. Uh, not everybody reacts like that. In verse 4 we read that some were persuaded. They were persuaded and they joined Paul and Silas. As did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. So this church planting experiment in Thessalonica is off to a good start, Drew. 
People are, are, are connecting with the scriptures. Paul's making some authentic relationships. He's sharing the scriptures with them. And people are getting saved. Some believed. But not everybody. Others did not. And some of the others became aggressive and violent, antagonistic, volatile. They were upset. You've upset the apple cart. You're turning everything upside down, Paul. But you have to take the bad with the good. I mean, when you're, when you're doing ministry, when you're involved in, in evangelism, when you're trying to plant a church, you, you have to take the bad with the good. It just it, Not everybody responds. Not everybody reacts well to this glorious message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Shortly after I came to faith, I, I worked for Greyhound Bus Lines in Edmonton. I was packing the buses with freight, so when they went into communities in northern Alberta, it was one of the best, most economical ways for freight to move. And I worked with a, a, a pretty rough crew, to put it mildly. I worked with a very rough crew. One day, my foreman, who was a foot taller and 100 pounds heavier than I was, spotted me in the lunchroom reading my New Testament. There's nobody else there. I ate my lunch, and I was reading my New Testament, waiting for my half hour to, to, to be up and go back to work. Later that day, he, he, I had to pass by him between two buses, and he, he grabbed me by the, by the lapels of my coveralls and literally lifted me up and pinned me against the bus and said, if you ever talk to me about Jesus, I will punch your lights out. And he dropped me and walked away. I got the message. Some will listen to the gospel and repent of their sins and trust in Jesus Christ and start to turn the world upside down. And others will not. So we need to expect that there's going to be different reactions from different people. Thessalonica was turned upside down because these ordinary men and women, people just like us, people just like us, dared... To live for Jesus and speak up for Jesus and live on mission right where they live. And, and it turned the place upside down. But due to the opposition to the mission in Thessalonica, they get cut short. The mission gets cut short and they go down the road about 50 miles to a place called Berea. Have a look at verse 10. Acts 17 verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea because there was too much opposition uh, in Thessalonica. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. So get the picture here. They get run out of town in Thessalonica. The minute they get to Berea, they go back at it. They don't sit down and start licking their wounds and have a little meeting where they share with one another how difficult it is to follow Jesus. No, sir. They go right to the synagogue and start all over. These Jews, it says in verse 11, these Jews in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. There are those high standing women again. Uh, They were, and it wasn't just their height, uh, obviously. 
Uh, verse 13, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. So do you get the picture here? I mean, everything is getting turned upside down in Berea also, thanks to the gospel. And thanks to Paul and Silas, these men who are just, you know, insistent on living on mission and telling people everywhere they go about Jesus. The the place gets turned upside down. And I say that because these people received the scriptures eagerly. They received the scriptures eagerly. It says in verse 11, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, it it, it says in verse 11 that they were more noble. And and that word noble originally meant highborn. Somebody who was born into aristocracy or into royalty was a person of noble birth, high birth. Uh, But later on, the word noble uh, started to be used as a synonym for tolerant, uh, open-minded Um, generous-minded people. And so I think that's the use here in in Acts chapter 17. The Bereans had an open mind toward the Scriptures. They were noble, open-minded, willing to listen and hear what Paul had to say. They were teachable. Yes, they were Jews who attended uh, the synagogue, the service in the synagogue on the Sabbath. They, they, They... They were students of the Old Testament scrolls and committed to Judaism, but they were open-minded, and they were willing to listen to Paul and to to what Paul had to say. Now, I think that some of your unchurched friends and family are also open-minded. I think out of out of the the audience of of family and friends that you have, there are some people in that crew who are open-minded. They're noble people. They're tolerant and willing to listen to you. So why not talk to them about Jesus? Why not not have the conversation? Why not begin to to, uh, weave the Scriptures into casual conversation? Uh, You never know what's going to happen. They might just be waiting for you to tell them about Jesus. And what better season of the year than Christmas to open up the conversation? You know, what is Christmas all about? (laughs) I mean, it's it's tailor-made for folks like us who want to tell other people about Jesus. Verse 11 says that they not only received the word, they received the word with all eagerness. Much to my wife's chagrin, I like watching hockey. Anybody else like watching hockey? Yeah, we got some hockey fans here, of course. Um, I especially like watching Toronto play Detroit. And I had, I had so much fun at the beginning of the season when Toronto and Detroit played for the very first time in the new Little Caesars Arena. Uh, it, was, it was a blast. I was with all Detroit fans and Toronto won, so it was even better. Uh, but it was just so much fun. I mean, when the teams were introduced, right? 
and they step onto the ice. I mean, the place just goes wild. Everybody stands at their feet. They're cheering for their team. It's just, it's crazy in there. You can hardly hear yourself think. And the pastor in me came out. And I thought, man, oh man. Why don't we get excited like this when it comes to reading God's word and studying God's word and worshiping together as a family of God? I've got the joy of the Lord in my heart. (laughs) Where's the excitement in that? I mean, who's going to be drawn to that? Oh, yawn. I'd rather go to a hockey game, right? Uh, It was just so much fun. And these Bereans not only received the scriptures eagerly, but they studied the scriptures carefully. Verse 11 tells us the Bereans examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So they they dug deep. They they researched the word. They, They went below the surface. They explored the meaning of the text. They examined the very words on the scrolls. They inspected the grammar of the verses, line upon line, precept upon precept. Uh, This was no cursory reading of the text. They they weren't satisfied with the one little uh, Bible verse from from the ceramic thing in the middle of the breakfast table. No, sir, they wanted to go deep into the Scripture and understand what it means and... Uh, it wasn't a quick reading of the text. This was not a superficial exercise. They, they received the word with eagerness and they examined the word with care. They wanted to make sure that what Paul was saying was what the scripture was saying and what scripture was saying is what Paul was saying, you see. And those two things should line up. And so when you listen to a preacher on Sunday morning, or you listen to a, a broadcast, or watch a television program, or go on YouTube. Don't just accept whatever is being taught there without first examining it against the Scripture. And, and if you hear something that doesn't quite sound right, and you go back to the Bible, and the, the, the preacher is not saying the same thing as the Bible is saying, you must go with the Bible every time. Because we know the scripture is inerrant. Preachers ain't. They just aren't. Compare what you hear in a sermon with what you read in the Bible. And if there's any discrepancy at all, go with the Bible. You see, everything got turned upside down in Thessalonica and then in Berea because these noble people eagerly studied the scriptures daily with great care and concentration. Furthermore, they responded to the scriptures personally. I mean, it, it impacted their lives. They, they allowed the word of God to sink deep into their lives and change them. Verse 12 says, Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. Luke is the author behind the book of Acts, and he's, he's very careful to draw the connection between the research that the Bereans were engaged in and their response of faith, which followed. Because they studied the scriptures, they were convinced and believed. You see? So their faith was founded in the word of God. It wasn't based on 
the good looks of the preacher or the volume of the music or anything else. It was based on the word of God. Their faith in Jesus was founded on the word of God. Good preaching and good teaching often results in changed lives. And that's our, that's our vision here at the gathering, Drew. We exist for the glory of God through lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the gospel. Not by our surroundings, not by good program, not by nice buildings, not by pretty pastors, but by the word of God. Amen? Amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And so let this passage encourage you. If you're a Bible teacher here at the gathering, or if you're a small group leader, or you lead a different ministry, be encouraged because God's word changes people's lives. Not everybody will be changed the, the minute they hear, but you're sowing seeds. You know, every time you open the word, every time you lead that Bible study, every time you have that small group and, and you open the word of God, the, the seeds of the scripture are being sown into people's lives. And the Holy Spirit of God, who's sovereign above all, will take the word sown into the heart and do what he does best. Spirit of the living God. When you move, when you do what only you can do, it changes us. The Spirit of God, the Word of God, a formidable force, supernatural force working together. It changes us, doesn't it? And our confidence does not rest in our teaching skills or our pedagogy or our programs. Our confidence rests in the Word of God because the Word of God is inspired. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We need the Scripture. And we need, to, we need to base our ministry on the Scripture. We need to base church planting on the Scriptures. And all that we do. Paul was convinced of this. He was convinced that when he was teaching in, in Berea, he was convinced of the inspiration of Scripture. When he was teaching in Berea, in Thessalonica, convinced of the Scripture. But not everybody was happy with his teaching. Just look at verse 13. When the Jews from Thessalonica, the first place, learned that the word of God was also proclaimed by Paul at Berea, the second place. They came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. And then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way. So they, they heard about it. Uh, he uh, went down the road 50 miles and started his ministry in, in Berea by going to the synagogue first. The Jews in Thessalonica heard about it. They uh, got a band of merry men together to go and uh, raise havoc and Berea, but you know what? It was too late. It was too late. The word of God had already taken root in Berea, and, and the gospel was turning the place upside down. They were too late. They tried to stir things up, but man, those guys were, those guys were too late. The Holy Spirit had already nailed the gospel into the hearts of people. Their lives were changed. Uh, leading women, devout Greeks, I mean, all kinds of people uh, from every spectrum of society were, were being saved in Berea. The church was being, the gospel had taken root in Berea. The church was planted. The kingdom was advancing. Pretty exciting when that happens, isn't it? Great to be in a place like that. I'd love to be in a church like that. Wouldn't you? Oh, wait. 
I think we are. Quite often when I go to a restaurant um, and get served by someone, um, male or female, I, I, will, I will often ask, just either after the order is taken or when the food comes, I'll say, I'll introduce myself as a pastor in the city and in just a minute we're going to pray over our meal and give thanks to God for our food. Is there something that we could pray for you about? And I don't know what the percentage, high 90s? I mean, most, most people that I've ever said that to, most servers have said, oh, yeah, there is. Not that long ago, young lady said, oh, who sent you? How much time you got? <laughs> Who sent you? My mother was diagnosed with breast cancer yesterday. So, okay, we're going to pray about that. What is your name? And we prayed for her by name, prayed for her mom by name. And I heard a variation of this not, not that long ago. A brother in Christ did a similar thing. Was in a restaurant when the waitress set his meal down before him. He said to her, have you made the wonderful discovery of knowing Jesus Christ personally and right away he said the the gal started making excuses for not going to church and that kind of thing and and she said and i i can't read the bible because i don't have one in my own language and he said what language do you speak she said well i'm romanian he said okay uh and because the restaurant wasn't very full he took a moment he grabbed a, a serviette or napkin if you come south of the border uh, and he started to sketch out the gospel story using three circles, an illustration, and gave it to her. He went on his way. A few days later, he came back to the restaurant with a Romanian Bible for this gal to read. Just left it there in the restaurant. A couple months went by, and he returned to the restaurant. This time, it's brimming with customers, very full, very busy. But this waitress spotted him from a distance, came over to him, and was all excited. She said, you know, I've been reading that Bible that you left. In fact, I get so taken with, this, with reading the Bible. She said, there have been several nights I haven't even gone to sleep. I just read the Bible all night long. And, 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 and best of all, I've come to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Yeah. Amen. And then she pulled out this, this napkin, which was nearly shredded. And she said, could you write this out for me again? I have shared this with so many people that it's falling apart. The power of the word of God turned that woman's life upside down. And our world needs that. Our world needs that. Windsor needs something. Essex needs something. What we need is for the the Word of God and the Spirit of God to work together to turn this place upside down for the glory of God and our good. I believe God wants to use our church in that process. I really do. I really believe God wants to use the gathering. I believe God wants to use refuge in southwest Detroit because that's a gospel-centered church that's going to preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ to people. And not just to pr pretend to meet felt needs. They're going to do that, but they're going to preach the gospel, right? And raise up families for Jesus Christ. I believe God wants to use churches like that to make a difference, to turn the world upside down. I believe God wants to use you. I believe God wants to use you right where you live, right where you work, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your workplace. 
And you have what it takes. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you already have the Spirit of God living in you. And you have access to the Scriptures. So you have the Word of God and you have the Spirit of God and you've got plenty of opportunities every day to share Jesus with people. So I encourage you to just be bold in Jesus' name. To step out in faith and trust God that because you're living on mission and you want to make a difference, that God is going to use your life, He's going to use your testimony, He's going to use your words to touch the hearts and lives of people like this Romanian waitress who was simply asked one day by some business guy, have you made the wonderful discovery of knowing Jesus yet? Mm-mm-mm. So let's be bold and humble in Jesus' name. Would you pray with me, please? <laughs> Heavenly Father, you are... You are so incredibly faithful. You are so good and so kind and so gracious. Lord, it's just a privilege for us to be in your presence this morning and and to be part of your family forever. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, the the world we live in today is, is so broken and we're so desperate for your touch. You've given us the gospel and you've given us your spirit and you provide more than enough opportunities each and every day for us to share your love with family and friends. So we pray this morning, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. We need your grace and we need your power to study the word and understand the word and share the word with others who need to hear the life-changing message of hope that, that is in the gospel of God. And Lord, we're praying for our family and our friends during this holiday season of Christmas and asking that your spirit would would penetrate our hearts with love and compassion, uh, that that your your word would, would also penetrate their hearts and convince them that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And this we pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.